the things that us people that watch a lot of TikTok say is so unintelligible to the general public. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. <laughs> but the bug has bones, so I'm going to be okay, okay? I'm not going to jump off a cliff today. Or am I? Wink, wink. Winky, winky. Hello guys, welcome welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, mishaps. My name is Kristen. <laughs> My name is Sarah. Do you at least know what I'm talking about when I say, does he have bones? I don't think so. Oh gosh, there's this pug. His name is Bones. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his name is Bones actually, but it's a pug and he's, <laughs> he's old for a dog. Aww. I think like, I don't know, maybe 13. And his owner, every day, he has a little bed, and he goes up to the bed, and he goes, is today a bones day or a no bones day? And so he'll (laughs) prop his dog up, and if his dog can stand on his own, it's a bones day, and it's going to be a good day. But if his he stands his pug up and it falls, it's a no bones day. (laughs) So, like, you you got to be careful. It's it's. It's going to be rough out there. (laughs) TikTok is the only thing that makes me happy right now. So, like, yes, I know everything. (laughs) I know. That's also one of the reasons why I didn't start homework until later today. Because I woke up. I wanted to start it at, like, 12 when I woke up. But I ended up not starting it until, like, 2.30. Because I woke up and I laid around on TikTok for a while. Yeah. Instead of... um, reading through and editing this story i was on tiktok right before so if my story doesn't make sense today then you know that's that's my excuse i was on fucking tiktok what's new but yeah when i did find this case so i honestly don't even know how i found it because i had i was in like the 10th page in the web hole of halloween type cases trying to find it and I finally came across this one and I saw that it was on Unsolved Mysteries like the very first season we're talking like OG Mm -hmm. Unsolved Mysteries and so I was like damn you know that's pretty cool and so I started reading about it and I was like this is actually really interesting but then I started reading articles about it not just the like episode and mind blown mind blown oh shit we're we're gonna need to digest the reason why uh, my son is never going to be allowed to a Halloween party or probably a party like ever play this episode for him <laughs> because Uh-oh. today I'm going to be talking about the murder of Kurt Sova. This one actually really did done fuck me up. Um, the Unsolved Mysteries, you can watch it for free on YouTube. I believe it was on YouTube. I don't know. If you type in the episode, you can watch it for free. Highly recommend. It was a very good episode. Reminded me of watching it back with my grandma. Like, I don't know why. It just brought back such memories. Like, the old, you know, the OG intro. It just like... I like putting those on to fall asleep, too. Specifically because of the music they play. Yes. The effects they do. 
I hadn't seen one in so long, and I was teleported back into the 90s. It was such a... It was such like a full circle moment. I'm like, wow, I can't believe. Like, if you would have told little girl me that I would be doing this, hell no. I mean, ob- I would have thought that was the shit, but wouldn't even know what a podcast was at that point. So I'm right. confused to what the hell. <laughs> but our our story for today is a little further back than the 90s. It begins on October 28th of 1981 in a ravine in Newburgh Heights, Ohio. And Mm -hmm. on that day, three young boys would discover the remains of a young man. He was discovered laying with his arms outstretched, with his head tilted off to one side and a knee slightly bent with one foot atop of one another. And it would be described like the way that he was lying. It was almost like as if he was being crucified. It was very much a... The way it was, it was placed. Like, he was deliberately placed there. It's not like he he fell fell or, yeah, yeah, he just, like, happened to stumble into that position. It seemed very much deliberate. And other than that, though... Was he on his back? Sorry. Laying on his back with his arms outstretched? Yeah, he was laying with his back, so, like, face up and just arms outstretched. I immediately pictured him face down. Yeah, and it's, like, Unsolved Mysteries Season 1, like, did not cease to traumatize the fuck out of you because they used very (laughs) realistic demonstrations of, like, how this, how he was, like, laying out in the field and the kids, like, going around the body and being like, oh, my God. (laughs) So I was just watching that. I'd be like, oh, my God, I actually used to watch that shit. No wonder (laughs) I am the way I am right now. But they, you know, they discovered the body and... Other than a few small scrap, like, other than the way he was laid, it really almost looked like he was sleeping. He had a few small scratches on the side of his cheek and uh, maybe a bruise or two and then several along his shins. But other than that, there was no outward outward damage to his body. So there wasn't anything that you would look at and right away be like, yep, that's a dead guy. Like, he doesn't he has a gunshot or he's this or that it almost looked like they went upon him and he looked almost like a sleeping figure and then it's when you get close you realize oh this guy's dead oh shit they would discover a shoe about 12 feet away from the body that would appear to belong to him though the other shoe would be nowhere in sight and to this day they have never been able to find that other shoe that that young man was wearing that night So it would take a few hours before they were able to get a confirmation on his identity, but it would be confirmed that the body belonged to that of a missing 17-year-old boy from the area whose name was Kurt Soba, and he had been missing for a total of five days before his body (gasps) was discovered. But the thing that makes this case so interesting is that when an autopsy was performed on Kurt's body it would be discovered that he only died 24 to 36 hours before his body was found. So this meant that Kurt had lived at least three out of the five days that he had been missing. Yeah, whoa. So backtrack a little bit about Kurt. He was the youngest out of four sons in what was described as like a very middle class home, a very middle class neighborhood. 
just very much like your typical average middle class American life. His parents, Dorothy and Ken, lived on the outskirts of Cleveland in Ohio. And his parents would just describe him all around as like a really good kid. Kurt's mom, Dorothy, you know, said they never had any trouble with him. If he did go on a night out, he would be home by 1030, no later, no less. Like if and if he did stay out later, if, you know, he did go out, they would let him he would let them know where he was going, when he would be back. He was very responsible, always told them what was going on. They never had any issues with him. Mm -hmm. So when Kurt goes out on this one Friday night and never comes home, his parents think that something is off. Something must have gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so after Kurt didn't come home that Friday, which I believe was the 23rd, his parents would become extremely worried and decide that they're going to start searching for him. They're not going to wait until the cops go out looking for him. They need to do this themselves. So they yeah. would recruit friends and relatives and make a team of about 40 searchers. So like a pretty decent group of people. And they yeah. would begin. Yeah. Like and on such short on such short notice too. I'm like, God damn. But yeah. they would look everywhere i'm talking they would go into alleyways they would go into undeveloped areas they would call kurt's friends and start to begin to ask questions you know where has he been have you seen him in the unsolved mysteries episode it's so heartbreaking but his mom would even be like you know i would open the dumpsters and look inside just mm. Just, you know, like anticipating. So you know, like, because it's totally realistic for a body to end up in a dumpster, so. Ugh. But it's so I just, sad like, that, like, you feel like you have to check there, you know? And then the feeling of, like, when you open that dumpster and he's not in there and it's like, should you feel relieved or you still don't have that answer? So, like. Right. It's neither good nor bad. It's just fucking, ugh. It's so terrible. So on Sunday, the Sova's would register their child as an official missing person with the Cleveland police. And Dorothy would begin to paper the neighborhood with uh, all types of flyers and papers of and photos of Kurt, you know, trying to get the word out and have people looking for him. Mm. By Sunday afternoon, she would be told by Kurt's friends that they knew that Kurt had attended a party on Friday night at Newburgh Heights, and it had actually been less than two miles from where the Sovas had lived. So oh. the <clears throat> the place where this party took place is a double house on Harvard Avenue, and it's located in Newburgh Heights. Newburgh Heights. So Dorothy is like, okay, I know where that is. She marches her way on over there and she goes up to the door and in Unsolved Mysteries, they say that she asks for a woman named Susan. Now, Susan is a pseudonym, like a thousand percent is a pseudonym. I don't know for who, though. There is a woman named Debbie Sams that lives there, and I do know that there is also a, a Debbie lives there with her brother, and then I also do know that they have another female roommate that lives there on top of that, though okay. I I couldn't find the roommate's name anywhere. And, you know, like, typically I'm all for a pseudonym, but if you do sketchy shit, like, I'm going to say your name. That's just, sorry. 
So <laughs> I don't right. know who Susan is, but it's either the female roommate or it's Debbie Sams who owned the house with her brother or like was renting the place out with her brother. I don't know which. So Dorothy would go to the door and ask for Susan, whoever Susan was, and a woman would answer and basically say like, oh, you know, Susan's not home, but leave your name and number. I will let her know that you stopped by. And so Dorothy goes, no problem, leaves her name and number. Later that evening, she gets that call. And this lady, Susan, Debbie, roommate, whoever she is, (laughs) she says, oh, I've never seen Kurt. Um, I actually don't know who that is. And, you know, I don't know where you're hearing these rumors because I never had a party here on Friday night. So, like, I don't know where you're hearing these rumors from, but, like, maybe check your sources because they're lying to you. Okay, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah, it's a bigger red flag than when my ex told me I wasn't allowed to masturbate. So, (laughs) she's, she's throwing them out there. It's a big red flag. So what homegirl Dorothy does, because she's a fucking detective over here, she Hell is yeah. on her shit. She, I don't know how, finds a pizza guy that happened to drop off some hot fucking pies over at Miss quote unquote Susan's house. At the where so-called he would conf- not party. Yeah. And he would be like, uh, there was a there was a rager going on there, man. Like I I there were a shit ton of people there. They definitely, you know, saw some party like oh, yeah. activities I going in and on. And had a drink. There were a shit ton of people. They offered me a hit off the bong. What was I supposed to say? No. So they gave with our this pizza new delivery guy a shot at the bar once. Hells yeah. <laughs> I fucking take it. So with this newfound information, Dorothy goes back, rightfully so, to this fucking Susan character. And she's like, um, you were lying. Here's here's the evidence where you're caught red handed. Now tell me the truth. And so, of course, she changes her story, which I'm like, okay, so fucking like red flags, red flags. Like you are fucking guilty of something. I don't know what you're guilty of something. something at least. And she tells Dorothy, okay, yes, I did have a party that Friday night. And yes, your son, Kurt, was here. Okay. So now we do know. Okay. 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 But she would say, you know, like, he was here with at least a dozen other people in my house. Um, Like, no one really knew each other. They, I just let a shit ton of random strangers into my house that night. And she would say that, like, some of them were super older than the high school age that Kurt was. And that a lot of these people were supposedly from Detroit. Okay. But she remembered who he was enough, even though she claims to not have known him. Because, oh, and, like, we'll get into theories of I'm what I... I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, of what I think happened, but it's all very... Ooh, it, and I'm telling you, Sarah, the goosies. I know. Just wait. So you also find out, and... So, like, the timeline of when exactly the parents are finding out this information is very, um, like, it's... Uh, I don't get a solid timeline and if you're wondering well like why 
you know, don't you have a timeline with the police? We'll get into that. Don't <laughs> okay. you worry. We'll get into that. Uh. But they find out from the pa- or the parents at some point after finding out that Kurt has been at this party, that Kurt's friend, who was a guy named Samuel Carroll, would say that he was actually there that night with Kurt at that party. And the version that he gives of Kurt is very different. And I'm just going to like put a little bookmark right here and just like spill some quick tea real quick. Because when I watched the Unsolved Mysteries episode, obviously I understand it's your kid. So like the Sovas were very much in a he's a good boy he never drank he never did anything you know wrong he was the youngest and he was like the angel of the family and it very much made it seem that you know Kurt had a solid friend group that he would always hang out with and it would always be that group so when it would be heard that uh when Dorothy would hear that you know Kurt was in the situation with a lot of older people and they were random people and there were there was alcohol involved and you hear later that Kurt gets really drunk Dorothy's like no way not my child not my son like no way would that happen Mm. but then I read an article and like that that's all that said on Unsolved Mysteries and I thought okay he is just one of those 17 year olds that like doesn't do shit it happens yeah and like it wasn't me but I know it happens (laughs) So good for him. And then I read a motherfucking article and they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt was a um, very typical quote unquote teenager that liked to experiment with drugs and have a good time. So he Party would, he would uh, smoke the pots. He would drink a lot and Uh, According to his friends, it was kind of like really typical behavior for him to do this. So this is very much a situation of like, in no way am I trying to talk shit to the parents. I'm just trying to point out it is that fucking typical American ass family where like you're like, oh, my son could never. (laughs) Meanwhile, you're like... Or what is it? It's that fucking TikTok that you see popping up right now. And it's like my mom in bed sleeping peacefully thinking that I'm at my friend Sarah's house and then, like mm-hmm. got to like me dying in an open field at three in the morning because <laughs> I like drink too much alcohol it's just like very much uh one of those types of situations where, yeah like, and he was parents a baby oblivious. so his parents yeah. probably just saw him as an angel yeah no. and you'll uh, like D- Dorothy even says I know I wrote it later down on down but um she would say that she kind of like hated herself a little bit for doing that of like maybe treating Kurt like such a baby. She was like, you know, with my other sons, uh, by the time they were 12, they were independent and they did everything. But Kurt at 17 was like still going to the grocery store with me. He was, you know, I still did everything for him because he was my baby and I always saw him as my baby, even at that age but it's like oh it's just really heartbreaking yeah i can't blame her yeah it, it's like honey not, you did the you did the best that you could yeah. it's just like it's we don't know why these things happen but either way 
According to an article from Medium, Kurt would, you know, do what he typically did. So he would decide that he was going to cut school that Friday and he walked over to a liquor store and would talk a man into buying him a fifth of 190 proof Everclear, (laughs) which fun fact, not so fun (laughs) fact, this this particular percentage of alcohol uh, is no longer legal in <laughs> Ohio liquor stores because it killed a Michigan man. So, like, damn Kurt, who hurt you? <laughs> but flashback uh, to yeah. spring break, South Padre, twenty twelve. Yeah, no, I. It's like I want to talk shit, but I have also consumed copious amounts of Four Loco in my life, so like I, I, I can't say anything. Um, but you know, after buying his liquid death, he would decide to go over to his girlfriend's house and start drinking, start having a good time. He was, you know, nursing the bottle. And by the time his friend Samuel Carroll got over to the girlfriend's house, he said, hey, Kurt, you know, why don't you come with me? Let's go to a party together. And so the two decide, okay, you know, like I, night's still young. Let's go ahead and go. They would go over to a second floor. It's called apartment, but it, uh, the way that they make it seem, it seems like it was a house and that they rented out the second floor. And I think I go into a bit more detail about it later on, but it's, uh, like they call it a complex or a duplex, but it's very much so a house. But like multiple yeah. people live in that house. I yeah, don't know, it's I know random. what you mean. Like it's a multi-family unit. Yeah, because then the basement comes into play, and like obviously these people had access to the basement. But hmm. I don't know. It's it's very um. I get confused with it. But in my defense, Unsolved Mysteries made that shit look like a house. So that's why I say that. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are like that for sure. I see it. So they would arrive to this apartment, house, whatever. And it belonged to Debbie, that chick I said in the beginning, and her brother, Clayton Sams. So they were brother and sister. And like I had said, they had a female roommate whose name I didn't care to dig up slash nor did they tell me but either way like the samses i'm like sketch i'm i'm really sus with them because this happened in their house so either way right she finds out from sam that kurt is fucking or samuel sorry sam kurt's fucking he's sloshed he's gone he's pretty drunk um and obviously when you get drunk you know you start to maybe think that you're gonna get sick and one of the roommates in the house looks over at his friend samuel and is like yo you need to get this guy out of here before he like throws up on our couch or something (laughs) we don't want him getting sick in our house you need to take this outside so samuel goes no no worries you know i I got it taken care of so he grabs kurt and decides to go outside with him and he's maybe standing outside with with Kurt for like maybe 20, 30 minutes before one, it's Ohio, two, it's October. It's fucking cold outside. Oh, yeah. So he leaves Kurt leaning up against a fence that's located right by the house. And he says, you know, hang tight. I'm going to go grab our jackets and I'll be right back. He's, you know, being a good friend. <sighs> and so he runs inside and he grabs the jacket. And as soon as he comes back out, 
Kurt's gone. Oh, no. Nowhere to be seen. I mean, at first it very much made it seem that Sam walked out, didn't see him, and kind of walked back in. But from Sam's account, you know, he would roam to nearby streets. So he would walk over to a parking lot of a J.L. Goodman furniture store, which is actually like not that far off from where Kurt's body was actually found Mm. but after walking around and seeing no sight of him he assumed that either he made his way home but more likely than not because of the amount of time in between you know him going to get the jacket and coming outside someone probably took him in a vehicle yeah so he's like maybe he hitchhiked randomly or like maybe he picked up got picked up by someone and like left but either way he didn't really think that he walked out into what or like walked home because then i guess like he would have seen him right Uh, of course you're drunk like you're not gonna be walking one in a straight line and two very fast and like (laughs) three you're gonna get lost but either way it's like such a random fact but I just have to throw it in there the friend didn't take the jacket with him he ends up like leaving it at the house and Dorothy has to end up going to this house to retrieve her son's jacket at some point which just really fucking pisses me off because this fucking Susan bitch was really like your son wasn't here I didn't have a party that night. Meanwhile, you are literally handing his mother his fucking jacket the next day or two within that. Like, how do you sleep at night? I really want to know what drugs you're on because I could use some if I like (laughs) maybe that will make me happy for once. Like, (laughs) goddamn girl, you don't let anything bother you. Holy fucking shit. That would kill me. How could yeah. you, uh, I'm, Debbie I'm, Sams, and female also, roommate whose name I need to find? <laughs> well, be right. I kind of got mad at he Samuel. Left. Why not take his jacket for him? Unless you knew he right. He didn't leave. And and because obviously the I got one mad at Samuel for not giving the jacket back, and two I. Because Dorothy and Ken, one of the first things that they did was start calling Kurt's friends. But I think that, you know, maybe Kurt's hidden life of smoking and doing drugs maybe led to his parents not really knowing all of his friends. Because you find out another thing later on that makes you think like, oh, well, why wouldn't they know if they were calling the friends? But it just... uh. This whole situation makes me think that Samuel was just very much like a, um, not like a best friend, more like a side character in Kurt's life. It it wasn't someone, yeah, who, I don't know, because I feel like- A side character like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just like, obviously, if this was one of Kurt's best friends, like, I understand in that moment Samuel did what he thought was all that he could do. But if they were good friends, Dorothy and Ken would have found out that information about Kurt being at the party way sooner than talking to the pizza guy and figuring it out. You know, like (laughs) all it would have done was 
this whole case would have been a lot quicker if she, the Dorothy would have just called up Samuel and been like, hey, I know you were hanging out with Kurt last night. What was going on? So it's very much like that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Like uh, Kurt was, or not Kurt, sorry. Samuel was very much just like, that's all I can call it. A fucking side friend. Uh-huh. Like the bad friend that you did shit with and like you would lie to your parents that like, oh no, I'm not hanging out with them. I'm doing whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I know not every teenager lives a double life, but a lot of us did or do, and uh, so yeah. it's definitely making me reflect. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I almost feel bad, but when I first heard that about Kurt, I was like, damn, no way. No way was we'll he that, because I, it's, I mean, I know it happens, but especially, you know, me living that high school life. Even the good girls in class got fucking drunk. So, like, it's just so unheard of to say a teen has never succumbed to a, the pressure that is peer pressure, you know? Right. Like, I know it happens for sure, but when I first heard it, it was just kind of off. And so it, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I don't, it, uh, it almost feels like I'm trying to say shit but I'm not it's just like that's how fucking teenagers are I know because I did the same exact shit like it it's it's just I don't know why we're like that we it's because we think we're invincible as soon as Dorothy heard that you know it was confirmed that her son was at this party that she heard from Samuel that Kurt was outside one moment and then when Samuel comes out back outside is gone the next she just like breaks down into tears and at that point in the unsolved mysteries she doesn't say that she she didn't think that he was dead but at that point she knew that like something bad happened she just like could never have expected the outcome that was given to her with it but either way when police discover Kurt's body on the 28th they do discover it in a ravine that is located on Harsborough Street. Mm. Now, this ravine is only 500 yards away from where this duplex, house, apartment, whatever the Sams were living in. It was only 500 yards away from that location. My God. So investigators, again, believed that his body had been intentionally dumped there. And that the person that did this probably knew the area in great detail and knew that if they left this body in this location, that it would likely be discovered and that it would likely be discovered by children because the area that Kurt was left in was popularly known for children playing in this area. So fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. What the fuck? You're... You're adding trauma to people who don't just Yeah, it's fucking... Ew. Taking casualties. Another fucking kicker in this case. Though they were able to determine how long it had been since Kurt had died, a cause of death was never, like, exactly listed. They were never able to determine what exactly it was that killed him. This old raisin of a coroner from... (laughs) I'm so sorry I'm going to mispronounce it. 
Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga County ended up ruling that the cause of death is probable instantaneous psychological death. Someone what? please exp- I don't I don't know. I literally don't so know like someone shock? Who- I don't know. Someone please explain that to me. Like probable instantaneous psychological. Literally, it's like he instantly just died, and they don't know why. Yeah, it sounds like a fancy wording for shock, but not for like we don't know. And then they would also put like probably accidental. Oh my god! So again, old fucking fart of a coroner ruled said in the unsolved mysteries that you know this was he made <laughs> i just don't i'm like how okay he would say you know like i i looked at everything and i i couldn't find a reason so that's my reason and they would say that out of the 1200 autopsies that he would perform each year one to two cases that he would get would be like this which i'm like okay i don't feel like that many people in the world die spontaneously instantaneously psychologically deathly for no reason so maybe you're just not doing your job people right maybe just sorry aren't up with the not, times not up with the time this is the 80s <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Color me. I don't know. But you sound a little crazy. Paint me. I don't know. Throw me a doctorate, but I feel like I could do a little bit better of a job than that. <laughs> he would determine, though, that, you know, Kurt's blood alcohol level was 0.11%, which is a little higher than the legal level of drunkenness that you would declare in Ohio, (laughs) though this is not nearly enough to kill him. Okay. Especially if he's, you know, like, been a teenager drinking, hello. Livers of champions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The coroner would also test for, you know, like, cocaine, LSD, and they wouldn't determine that any of that was in his system. Though, I... It's hard for me... And obviously, it's the 80s. Like, I don't know if there's some type of, like, were they looking for poisons? Were they looking for certain chemicals? Or, like, I don't smart people. You don't know what I'm... You know what I'm saying, but you know I'm saying it in a stupid way. Like, that the shit that sometimes you don't look for in autopsies, especially back in the 80s, that could definitely kill a person. But if you're not looking for it, it's not going to pop up. Like, if you're like, oh, this person was poisoned by this specific thing like for the longest time it was hard for i'm probably wrong on this but like for certain cases with arsenic poison like if you didn't know what you were looking for you wouldn't be able to find it so like and just whatever depends oh like any good mother would be dorothy was fucking pissed uh the one like piece of peace that she can get knowing you know how her son died is stripped away from her and on top of that she has sorry on top of that she has no idea what happened to him it's like and then on they go as far to call it accidental right oh my god so she's like something is not sitting right with me this is all icky 
What gets a little fucking stranger, though, is while Dorothy's anger and frustration is, you know, sitting in her brain, she starts to think back to some events that happened before they found Kurt's body Mm. that are a little fucking creepy. Uh Uh-oh. So she would recall that that following Monday after her son had disappeared. So her son disappeared on Friday. So the next coming Monday, one of his friends, David Trisnick, would claim that he saw Kurt and another boy walking along a busy street less than a mile from the Sova home, less than a mile from where Kurt lived. Sounds he like 500 saw- yards. He saw Kurt. Is that it? Sorry, I did not look it up in yards. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I don't know, but I know 500 yards is less than a mile. Um, Because if they're walking less than a mile, it could, you know, how his body was found 500 yards away. It's like mm-hmm. a match. In- no, a thousand percent. When David spots Kurt, uh, he would decide that he is going to pull over on the side of the road and see if Kurt needs a ride home, just, like, being a bro. But once he pulls over, he notices that a van on the other side of the street pulls over as well. And as soon as Kurt sees this van, he would yell, Franco, and then get into the van with this other dude, and the pair would drive off before David had a chance to come up to them or say anything to them. Oh. Now, David would say that he was not aware that Kurt was missing at the time. So that makes me think that, again, like... Kurt's parents, either one, David was one of those friends that he would, you know, drink and go smoke pot with, or two, it was just very much like Kurt being a typical teenager and not everyone is... Right, and it sounds like he was out and about, maybe, like, there weren't cell phones, so... Yeah, you also, yeah, definitely have to think that this is the they 80s. Weren't, they didn't <laughs> just send a text and was like, hey, Kurt's missing, Keep Yeah, it's literally my next bullet point of, like, if uh, David hadn't been home that weekend and, like, missed the voicemail that said, like, hey, this is Kurt's parents, give us a call back, or, you know, for... Like, if you don't read the paper that day, you're out of everything. And that's, like, just within your town. Like, you have no idea what's happening within a 50-mile radius of you, let alone, like, what's 50 feet around your town. So <laughs> it's it's just very much, like, um, you have to think 80s is not equivalent to how it was today. Like, people were fucking wildin' back there just doing <laughs> shit, and we didn't know what they were doing. And we just had to be okay with it. Another thing that would happen, though, and this is where you get goosies. So, on Monday, the Monday after Kurt went missing, there is a stranger that has been hanging around the neighborhood, just kind of like being a drifter. And they would notice outside of the local record shop that he had been staring at a poster. And not just any poster, but Kurt's missing persons poster. Oh, sketch. He would take it a step even sketchier by walking inside of this record store and telling the clerk 
that they may as well take that poster down because he's going to be found dead in two days and no one is going to know why he died. <gasps> okay, and then, <gooseies. laughs> and then he simply walks out of the record store. And yeah, so this happens on Monday. Kurt is still technically missing at this point. And the clerk that it happened to, she is just wanting to brush it off. She does not want to think anything of this. She's like, that's really fucking weird. But, you know, I'm not I'm not going <laughs> to not going to let it ruin my day. Right. OK. Until. Oh, God. <laughs> she goes to open the store next day the next day and one of the merchants from the neighboring stores approaches her and says like hey I have a bouquet of flowers for you (gasps) and so she takes the flowers and within the flowers is a note and I'm I'm crying oh god and it said Roses are red. The sky is blue. They'll find him dead. And they'll find you too. I got goosebumps. My cat got goosebumps from my goosebumps. (laughs) Not the kind, like, not the love note I want, hun. No, thank you. Ugh. And, like, the amount of ick I would feel in that record store. I would automatically feel watched. I'd automatically feel violated. Like, need a hot shower right away. I would quit right there. Right then and there. They do not pay me enough. (sighs) No. In the 80s? Hell no. Hell no. It got even crazier for me. I mean, I started almost screaming. Yeah. When you, there's this little Cleveland newspaper called the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And (laughs) in this, in this newspaper clipping, I found, and Unsolved Mysteries did not mention this, but in it, it said that this same homeless man that sent that spooky-ooky letter with the poetry and whatnot had supposedly been walking around that town for weeks bragging about having access to bodies that were being flown (gasps) into Cleveland Hopkins International Airport. And the chilling fact on top of it, this dude vocalized how he liked to remove shoes from (gasps) the bodies. And if you remember... (gasps) Oh, God, I remember. Kurt's left shoe was found 12 feet away from the body, but his right shoe was never found. Oh, my God. Ew. Ever. Goosebumps. Yeah, I'm... Not my shoes. You don't take a dead man's shoes. Like, that's all he fucking has. There's like you're a just asking. You're just asking to be that. haunted at that point. Yeah, there's if like a someone, real curse behind that. Yeah, shit. I I would literally like. I'm depressed. I have nothing to live for <laughs> but to haunt your ass after you disrespect my body like that. Like, <laughs> ooh, that's the only joy uh, I would find. Find me in your dreams. <laughs> 
obviously, as soon as clerk store lady uh, gets this note and puts all these strange facts together, she goes straight to the police with this information. (sighs) And if this gives any indication with uh, the police and their job, uh, they actually find the dude... But after interviewing him, they would say, you know, he's some crazy, crazy mofo from Detroit. He's just like not making any sense. We're just going to let him go. And, you know, that's the end of that. And after they let him go, he was never seen from again. So, hmm, yeah. It was before Kurt's body was found so I mean I guess but at the same time what the fuck Kurt is still a missing person while he's being interviewed about this and he is making like pretty like pretty bold statements for I'm just like there should have been a little more (laughs) yeah okay should have been more there should have been more done there uh, but yeah, they would, they would basically tell her, you know, that's just Detroit for you. They're just crazy over there. And <laughs> just let it be. Rough out there on the streets. <laughs> He's just some Yahoo off the street. It's fine. Uh. So another strange things, another strange, ugh. Another strange thing that happens is that on Wednesday, the day that Kurt's body would be found, Dorothy would actually get a call from our homegirl Susan slash Debbie Sams, D-E-B-B-I-E space S-A-M, in case anyone was curious. <laughs> you can't do sketchy shit and not get away with it. They would slash unidentified female roommate if I find her name I'll link it cause you can't do the sketchy shit they would get a call from her at 3.30am and Debbie slash Susan slash female roommate would say that there is someone sleeping in her basement <gasps> and that she thinks that it might be Kurt <laughs> yeah okay. and like and and the parents have already been to the house, obviously. Have already gotten Kurt's fucking jacket. And ugh. and now you're going to call and you're going to taunt like that? Okay. Obviously, when they get the call, like, they've been previously lied to. They're like, we don't know what to believe at this point. But they are so desperate to find their son that they would get Ken, Kurt's dad, to go over to the house And he would go down into the basement and, oh my god, when I was watching this part, I was just, like, waiting for someone to fucking come out of the dark corner and, like, hit Ken (laughs) over the head. Like, that's literally the vibe that I was getting. Because once they get down into that basement, Ken would describe that there's, like, a cot, a really, like, dingy, just ugly little cot. And it looks like someone has slept in it. But other than that, there is no one in there. (laughs) So, (sighs) it just pisses me off more because it... It, it's playing into the fact that these people knew what was going on in that house and they are essentially, in my mind, allegedly, because I don't want to get sued, teasing the parents. Yeah, like they're trying to cover their own tracks 
like saying that fucking like because they know that kurt was there and they're gonna like be tied to it somehow so they're trying to say like oh yeah he was here alive recently oh but no now he's not because he's low-key dead i mean we're gonna talk about it later on but i just really don't get because spoiler alert this is unsolved i really don't get how this case isn't uh when they bring it up how these people aren't more like involved and i i guess like maybe officials have done their background search on them and whatever but at the end of the day everything that i am personally hearing like don't put me on this jury board because i would find them guilty they're acting so fucking suspicious like all i need is the cause of death and like that's that's it like yeah either they even if it was accidental, they're still covering it up, and that's a crime. Exactly. And that's, like, one of the theories, because even if it was something where we'll get into it, but one of the theories is, like, he did fall asleep in that cot and ended up, you know, ODing over whatever, and they just freaked out and buried him. Like, even if it was that, you're still responsible. Yeah. So it it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, like, uh, deviate any of the responsibility that you take over that death because the torture and the straight up like throwing a mouse in front of a snake kind of play that you're doing right now is utterly disgusting and dehumanizing it's just wow yeah they don't care about how the parents feel they care about themselves yeah but one thing that they do know for certain is that kurt's body was not in the ravine that previous day because like I had said at the beginning of this tale or at the beginning of this case was that Dorothy and Ken gathered a crap ton of people to look around and not only that you know Ken himself would do personal searches in early in the morning all the way until the end of night so just 24 hours before Kurt's body was found Ken was in that ravine where Kurt was found looking for Kurt and the way one what Kurt was wearing he was wearing a super bright yellow t-shirt and two the way that the ravine was it was very much a flat ground there it was not hilly from what Unsolved Mystery said from um the description of Kurt's autopsy there was no way that he could have fallen to his death in any type of way over here it was flat no hills if someone were to go to that field and look around you would probably be able to see the body within a couple of hundred of yards from you so like and he's wearing very bright clothing that would stand out against the greenery so right it's not like Kurt Ken simply went over to that area and just missed him. It was very much so, no. Ken was in nearly the same exact area where Kurt's body was found. It wasn't there. And then within that 24-hour period, someone dumped him. Ugh. Tragic. What makes it even more tragic is that just three months later there would be another young boy's body found. (gasps) This time, 13-year-old Eugene Caviet 
or Cavett's body would be discovered in another ravine just two and a half miles or 3.2 kilometers on Harborough Street. Oh my god. Eugene had also been missing for some time before his death. And he, like Kurt, was also missing his right shoe from where (gasps) his body was found. Okay. But when officials did his autopsy, they would determine that Eugene basically died from injuries that he got while falling into the ravine. What the fuck? It would get even creepier when it turns out that Eugene and Kurt actually knew each other. (gasps) Though it's like undetermined. It doesn't say how exactly they knew each other. It's just obviously small Ohio town. They knew each other, whether it was like they knew of each other or they were friends. It's kind of hard to determine, but... Right, they probably went to the same high school, like... Yeah. Nothing ever comes of either of these cases, though, and to this day, both remained cold. Oh my god. Obviously, there were some suspicions that laid with the family, with the Newborough Heights Police Department, that, you know, they weren't doing their jobs properly. Because if you haven't noticed, I really haven't mentioned the police in any of this story (laughs) other than when the parents made their missing persons report. So let's uh, let's dig into why maybe that is. Ooh, So when they originally declared Kurt missing, Ken and Dorothy, and they would go to the Susans slash Debbie slash the brother... Sorry, I'm tipsy. I forgot his name, but scroll back like 20 minutes. I say it. And, you know, Dorothy and Ken are going to this house and somewhat harassing the Sams, trying to get question answers to their questions on where Kurt is. But I mean, rightfully so, their fucking son just went missing. And instead of helping Dorothy and Ken get answers to these questions... The police basically tell them, stop harassing the Sams or we'll arrest you. (laughs) Um, It's also confirmed later on that officers that were involved not only in the department, but in Kurt's investigation would be brought down with charges ranging from falsifying credentials to drug trafficking. Oh. Uh, It would turn out that the very own detective that worked on Kurt's case, matter of fact, the only detective in the town at the time, Robert Karras, would be exposed as a drug addict himself. (laughs) And he, you know, would also be extremely violent, duh, He would bludgeon, he would stomp, he would assault prisoners or battery, whatever you want to call it, to people that were already handcuffed and on the street. Or, like, handcuffed and, like, demobilized on the street. Just start to beat the shit out of them. Yeah, just casual. It's a Monday. Casual. Casual (laughs) cop things, you know? And they... (laughs) It was so bad that he would 
end up being sentenced not enough though uh, it was just 16 or sorry it was just 6 to 15 years but yeah just like uh shows the pure garbage that he was and it would also be discovered once the Cleveland police once the county sheriff and even eventually later on the FBI get involved with Kurt's case that they realize uh, just how shitty the police department did <laughs> investigating Kurt's case in the first place. Ugh. Because, uh, yeah, there were no photos ever taken of Kurt's body at the crime scene. Oh. Yeah. And we know at least in the 80s they, like, they did that. They did that. It, like... And they make comment of it. Like, even the FBI, everyone who looks at this case is just like, oh, you did such a shitty job. And one of the police, <laughs> one of the police officers, like, in the news article, I didn't write it down, and I forget his name. It's like Lloyd something. I really should have called him out, but whatever. He's in jail now. He got his justice. So he, like, is calling out the person interviewing him in the newspaper article, and he's like, oh, my God, no. Like, we totally wrote that down. It's just like... It got lost in translation or, like, something happened. Like, no, we did a good job. Everyone's just crazy. (laughs) And then, like, in the article, it says, like, three months later, he's arrested and sent to jail. So, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, no, boy. You're just Uh, fucking shitty. So, like, uh, They just all around did a terrible job. Yeah. (laughs) And um, you would also find out that, you know... They never searched the house that Kurt was last seen in. Okay. And they would give zero. No statements were ever taken from anyone involved in the case. So they literally didn't investigate it. They literally, from what I could tell when they opened the document, there were a few photos of Kurt on the autopsy table And I believe, like, once they had him in a body bag. But other than that, there was really nothing else. It was very, like, I am not even a cop and I would have been able to do a better job than that. And it really (laughs) um, goes to show just, I mean, like, we're we're about to get into it, uh, one of the detectives. But, yeah, just, it, it gets bad. So... In 1990, the Cleveland prosecutors would decide to reopen the case. And again, they call the original investigation a fucking joke because it was. But unfortunately, you know, nothing comes of this. And in 2019, you have local media reporting that the Newborough Heights Police Department's cold case unit is partnering with Tiffin University to re-examine the case, um, you even get in 2020, CrimeCon gets together with CrowdSolve. And it's so cool. And I wish, like, we should be a part of something like this. But they yeah. had, like, a uh, panel of investigators and, you know, professionals sitting there talking about the case with the public. And then with the public, you kind of just, like, go back and forth on theories like and whatnot. bounce off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so cool. Right? Like, I would love to do that. But um, unfortunately, though, we there just hasn't been that one piece of information that needs to be given to, you know, really seal the deal. It's just it's still out there in the world. So until then, this case is just 
staying cold. Uh, but the theories are... I feel like they're they're there for you to assume. So one of the prosecutors of the case, James A. Coutier... Jim, my whiteness is showing. <laughs> James A. Gutierrez would ask the former detective Robert Caras if he, Caras, Caras, <laughs> if he had anything to do with Kurt's death, because it turned out that Detective Robert had actually taken a crime suspect while he was a cop to the back lot of Harvard Avenue, which is not very far off from where Kurt's body was found. And the uh, crime suspect that he took to the place would say that, you know, before this, he had already been in an incident where Robert beat the shit out of him and like pretty much broke his nose. And so when Robert takes him to this back lot, off of Harvard Avenue and starts to try and like provoke a fight with him. He is like, no, I, I don't want to fight you. And it, sorry. So he didn't break his nose. Sorry. He, uh, <laughs> he bashed his head in with a flashlight, which is way worse. My so God. yeah, he's like, you've already bashed my head in with a flashlight. I'm not about this. Uh, I don't want to fight you. But it was very much uh, noted that that incident happened. So it is kind of to the speculation of, and like when you get into the next theory that I talk about, you find out that Robert is very much in the drug ring. He helped deal drugs slash sell drugs, and he would often try to get people I guess to do it for him or like people in the town to do it for him Hmm. so they kind of speculate that it may have been like he offered Kurt something or maybe the people that Kurt was dealing with were buying drugs and maybe had some kind of connection to Robert and Kurt just happened to be the victim of like being a bystander, you know, yeah, of that terrible situation, or maybe for whatever reason, he denied Robert, uh, saying like he wouldn't help him with whatever he was selling or doing, and he just killed him out of revenge or out of anger or whatever. The mm. next account, though, comes from a woman named Angelina Angeline Reddick, so she never. It's also weird. She never spoke to police, at least right away. But if they had spoken to her, they would have found out that she had a pretty interesting story to tell. Yeah, because it it sounds like they didn't fucking talk to anybody, so... No, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Didn't talk to shit. But she, at some point, understands that Kurt's missing, and she says that she witnessed two males dragging what looked like an unconscious teen boy to where Kurt's body was ultimately found. Now, she was looking at this through her window from, like, an apartment, I guess, that was located nearby. And she would at first assume, you know, it's people playing Halloween tricks. I think she would even go to her husband and be like, this is weird. Should I report it? And her husband had like some smart Alec reply to which I say, fuck you. Yeah. Like, oh, he's probably passed out drunk or something. Yeah. It wouldn't be until 1989. So like fucking 
eight years after this case originally happened uh, when someone else finally interviews her over what she saw. And that's when another sheriff's department took over. So you find out that this happened eight years after it happened. So like, God, safe to say she couldn't probably rightfully so describe the people that she saw looking out of her fucking window. Yeah. It just sucks. And so this account, along with, you know, Kurt running to a van, yelling the name Franco, thinks has a lot of people thinking that this was some type of drug deal gone bad. Like I said, Robert was mixed into the drug deal, so it's easy to throw himself in there, even though it's kind of hard for us to, as I guess like, like uh, witnesses for this investigation Mm -hmm. to like definitely put him there. But I mean, you can't completely rule him out because he did sketchy shit like that. But at the end of the day, um, one of, I guess, the more plausible theories is that it was just two random drug people from Detroit. They think maybe, you know, Kurt had too much to drink that night. Maybe they gave him bad drugs, even though they didn't find any kind of cocaine or weed or anything in his system. Um, it's weird. Yeah, they just think like, and his alcohol level wasn't off and then like they see him the days afterwards at the party but also remember he was missing for what five days yeah and and when his body sure had been alive like three days after yeah so when he was found his blood alcohol content was 0.11 which means that he was more than likely drunk for like the whole five days he was missing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's like jumping a little bit, but or it's unless like he just when you, randomly when was you, drunk. Well, when, he when died. you die, does when you die, does your alcohol level like still go down? You know what I mean? Or like when you die, is it permanently at that spot? I'm not. That's sure. a good question. I'm not sure either. But if because I mean, like, if he didn't die. I mean, well, at but least I feel for like yeah, I feel like you, alive. I mean, you would definitely probably maybe as a coroner be able to tell if it was alcohol poisoning that killed you, but it's overall fucking weird. And at the same time, it's like maybe they said like, oh, it's this new drug on the market, and it's this like drug that they know autopsies don't test for unless you're like looking for it because you had that one guy go into the record store and be like oh, they're going to find him dead and they're not going to know how he dies. Like, that's what throws major red flags. I'm like, fuck, is this some kind of, like, government experimentation that they're doing? They know that they have this drug that, like, no one can detect and they're just, like, killing people like this. And then you have the whole Eugene dying, like, three months after. And although they are able to find a, like, cause of death with Eugene, it's just, like, it's weird. Like, I could talk about this for a second. I mean, it's fucking... It it's weird, but I mean, it's just uh, yeah. what's throwing me off is that three days where he's supposedly alive but missing. So and, I mean, like you, where is he? One, what is he doing? Um, yeah, because one, you have the autopsy confirming, like you have scientific proof behind it, but then you also have the friend saying, like, I saw him, and then what's the deal with this white van? And then the Franco, I know, the like, van obviously that keeps popping up. 
Yeah. And then obviously, like, the Sovas don't know anyone named Franco. So it's it's very much, like, I it definitely Kurt was leading this life that his parents had no idea about. And maybe it extended a little further than they thought. Or maybe Kurt was just at the wrong party on the wrong day. It's, yeah. It's really hard to say. But either way, just to, like, wrap it up. Kurt or Dorothy Sova would say of her child you know Kurt was my baby mm-hmm. unable to stem her tears she would say you know often I blame myself for letting him remain my baby like I had mentioned before she would say while my older boys were adults at 12 he was still my baby at 17 Aww. he went with me to places he still shopped with me he still went on vacation with us Uh, Of his death, she said, I couldn't do that to an animal, let alone a human being, referring to, you know, how he was just callously thrown out like that. I just want to know what happened to my boy. I don't think I will be able to find peace with myself until I find the answers. And if I don't find out through this program, referring to the Unsolved Mysteries show that she was on, she said that she will still, she will search until the day that she is buried she said that she will never give up and she doesn't believe that a healthy normal boy would disappear for five days and then turn up dead and that she knows that something happened to him Mm. but unfortunately both her and ken would pass away without getting those answers of what happened to their son And the only surviving family member of the Sova family is one of Kurt's older brothers, Kevin. And I know it really killed me when I read that because he had four older brothers. Uh, What Kevin says of this, though, is that Kurt was fun loving. He was very funny, a comedian, and he just wanted to know what happened to his brother. Uh, Currently, there is a $5,000 reward out for anyone who has any information on the case, and I will link it down below, but if anyone, (laughs) doubt it, but if anyone is hearing this in the radio frequency waves and has any information about this, Debbie Sams and brother and uh, mentioned roommate, female roommate, I'm talking to you. Please contact authorities at 21625crime. Uh, but yeah, and of Eugene, I really, really try to find words about Eugene from a parent or something. Believe me, trust me, I, I'm not forgetting about him. Uh, I just couldn't find anything. But he was 13 and had his full life ahead of him. So mm. yeah, and those wow. are... Ooh, taking it, going back in strong with the fucking <laughs> terrible ass. Yeah, I don't think I had heard murders. of that one. I I have not either. Kurt Sova and Eugene Cavett. I mean, like, the Halloween murders that I don't know why people aren't talking about. I know, wow. Because I feel like the answers are right there. It's just like, someone find them. Someone find yeah, it for me. Someone... Because uh. I... I cannot get arrested. I have a child that I have to take care of. Otherwise, I would be right at that door, <laughs> banging on it, asking for answers. Got your megaphone out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got my glittery pen and a big-ass poster. I'm ready. <laughs> but 
Yeah, this is my first uh, easing it back in with the true crime. Feels good. Uh, it doesn't feel good, obviously, but it uh, was a very just like a tailspin of a case and that's why I don't know what I'm trying to say but it's just like the brings back the emotions of like why I guess I'm so passionate about it all in the beginning is because you hear these stories and it's like it's right fucking there if someone would just do their job properly then we can get it yeah because Ugh, and we all know so much matters within the first couple of days, the 48 hours of an investigation yeah, so like this. Y- and the fact that like no one was interrogated, nothing until was Until like seven years later. Um, it's just, that's ridiculous. And that's all I'll say about that. It's really shocking to see that cases are actually investigated that way. But yeah, guys, hope you enjoyed that. Hope it fit the theme of spooking you the fuck out for Halloween because I know it sure did for me and I will never go to a Halloween party ever again <laughs> until I'm with you until <laughs> this Halloween <laughs> but until next time guys be sure to follow us on TikTok uh, Instagram, YouTube, Good Pods buy us coffee whenever we get approved all that good stuff yeah at R-A-R-W podcast And if you want to hear a certain Halloween story, feel more than welcome. Send us an email if you're feeling lonely. Uh. Red rum and red wine podcast at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cheers to uh, cheers to never letting the unsolved cases uh, die out, you know, like. They can get Mm -mm. solved even years later if just the right information comes to light. So cheers Cheers to that. Cheers to never letting the cold cases get cold. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, bye. Happy spooky season, bitches. Bye.